Welcome to the first episode of the fourth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to one of our members, a seriously wonderful woman in tech. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. Hailing from Brooklyn, New York, she started out in tech marketing before boldly stepping into the male-dominated space of solutions architecture, working in a number of senior roles for tech companies, including Epsilon and Crowdtwist, before joining SaaS company Airship, where she now serves as strategic services lead. She holds a certificate in design thinking from eCornell, a certificate in customer experience innovation from Northwestern, and is passionate about CX research and making technology more human-centered by design. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Jenny Lewis. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Claire, good to talk to you. Welcome to the Inspiring Women in CX podcast. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? I, uh, yeah, I'm chugging along here. I'm very, very pregnant. <laughs> so but, trying to, yeah, trying could, to power through. Couldn't get any more pregnant, right? Six weeks to go. I, well, apparently I can. <laughs> apparently there's six more weeks for it to just keep, uh, keep going. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to come and ask you some more questions about that, that shortly, but I just wanted to say <laughs> welcome to everybody listening along at home as well um, it's great to be back after our hiatus uh, we've been super busy building a community for women in customer experience the world's first in the background of which Jenny is one of our wonderful members so welcome welcome Jenny and baby on board oh <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, so let's get us started then so I, I always ask yeah. our guests the same question to begin it's just a little one to warm us up make us feel nice and comfortable uh, an easy one to answer that's just to tell us a little bit about how you found your way to where you are today uh, yeah so I, I started working in technology about 14-ish years ago and started out in a really hands-on tech role but I was always working directly with customers I um, started out with a huge automotive client right out of the gate and found my way through that to do more and more custom technology solutions. And what I realized is that I, I the most that th- the thing that I loved most was helping customers solve problems and sort of spun this spun this career through of it's solving more and more complex technical problems like doing solution architecture and uh, retail point of sale integrations to a loyalty program and really like, really complex, juicy problems and realized that there was sort of a niche of being able to understand the technology, but also understanding the customer point of view. Like, what are we doing for the end customer of the brand? Um, so I've always kind of be, been in the like B to B to C space, I guess, because I work with, I work with the brands and then, you know, try to try to help their customers out. So I grew through that. And then um, have a have a great manager now who really challenged me last year to take on a new role leading a strategy team, uh, which has been amazing. Um, part of it I'd done before, part of it I hadn't. So it's been this it's been this really nice balance of um, getting to do something I know and also some stuff that's brand new. Oh, awesome! And and you do all this from your 
awesome apartment in New York, right? <laughs> yes, from my yes, my very Brooklyn room, the the combo office, cat suite, and music studio. <laughs> you know, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> and and when, maybe next time when we speak, there'll be baby toys around there as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Probably so. <laughs> yes. I was squeeze it in. Um. So um. So that's super interesting. Um for a number of reasons and just kind of playing back what I heard there so you know being a woman in technology is also a bit of a challenge right because the majority of the workforce and particularly the senior roles are guys I know you just mentioned you've got an awesome manager that's challenging you to push yourself at the moment um but what's your experience been of being a woman in the tech space especially on the sounds like quite a technical side of it with solution architecture yeah yeah, it is so my like most of my prior roles have been in that in that super tech space. And I mean, there's it's, it's not easy. But I mean, there there were for years I'd, I'd go into meetings where I was the only woman in the room, like at all, at all. Just it would be a bunch of engineers and me. Um, I, I think the, the two biggest things I run into uh, folks taking credit for my work having people just just straight up take credit for it that and then um really getting dismissed during some of those meetings and and working through working through both of those it took me I I approached it differently over the years and you know at first with the the taking credit for work I the first time I was so shocked that it happened because I was like well why how could the how could this have like, why would somebody do that, right? I was, it just blew my mind that somebody would even think to, to do something like that. The second time I got really angry because I was like, wait a second, this is not going to continue to happen. And so I started getting really loud about what I was doing and promoting what I was doing outside of, you know, my, like my pod of folks that I was working in to make it clear. And it wasn't just my, it wasn't just my work you know, it was also my team's work too. So I was like, hey, this is all the stuff that that we are doing as a group and starting promoting that more loudly to make sure that it was obvious outside of our internal team what was going on. Um, the the meetings and getting dismissed in meetings, I, you know, frankly, that never ended in, in when I was in the tech meetings. I What I found over the years was I made a really great partnerships with, uh, especially the account management team, um, guys in the account management team who were advocates and Mm -hmm. absolutely recognized what was going on. And we really partnered together to help redirect things, right? So I I had them to help kind of shift things back around and refocus conversations. And, you know, in some cases, (laughs) one one of the guys and I had a little joke where like, I would say something and then we had a customer who would just like, oh no, that can't possibly work. And then he, my, my account management friend would repeat the exact same thing I said. Oh. And it was, it, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing, but it, you know, it's, I had to kind of get over the, like the personal, I know I need to do mm. this myself. Right. Like, cause I, at first I was just fighting it. Like, I, I have to, I have to do this myself. I have like, I have to be the one. And mm. it, then at the end of the day, it's like, well, that's not really what this is about. Right. We want to get them to change. We want them to get them mm. th- to do whatever it is. If it's an integration or a data change or whatever, 
And if that's the path that I have to take to get there, then, you know, I, I sort of kind of, I guess I just sort of like threw away that the ego side of it that, it, that it had to come from me and then used my other resources to work around it. Mm. So I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, my attitude's coming out now. I'm like, Hey, this is not okay. <laughs> Girlfriend. It's, um. it's not, it's not, but <laughs> you know what it, it's, and it's, and it's crazy. Cause I was always on, I was on the vendor side. Right. Yeah. So there's only, so I was, I wasn't on the brand side. So there's it's like, there's, and that, that makes it complicated as well. Cause there's only yeah. so much you can, we, you can push when you're, when you're in that position. Yeah. But I guess like kind of the early days of somebody taking credit for your work and having to find the courage to kind of speak up and shout about what you and your team are delivering mm-hmm. to ensure that that's recognized, then kind mm-hmm. of end up in the same situation again, where um, somebody is in, in a more positive way taking credit for yeah. your work uh, because he's saying the exact same thing you did but because he's mm-hmm. a guy and the male client I assume trusts the guy yeah point of view exactly like, that's the kind of the same thing happening twice but you came to peace with the second version because you know mm-hmm. that guy was like genuinely trying to help you and be an ally but it's not fair is it yeah. that women have to modify so much in order to survive mm-hmm. in these male-dominated environments such as as technology yeah. because if you'd have been a guy in that situation like mm-hmm. would you have needed an ally to say the same thing as you <laughs> to get the oh, same definitely definitely not right it would yeah. have just been accepted it, it just would what I said would have been accepted right and yeah. and and yeah I mean it, it is very similar I think the the big difference is at the end of the day, my job was to help whoever the end client was yeah. improve whatever we were working on. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. when I changed my, I just changed my focus. And in that scenario, it's like, yeah. what do we need to do to help this client move forward? Right. And that, if that was the only thing that was going to work, then I just kind yeah. of had to accept it. And I get, I you get you, but like, it's only, it's only women, isn't it? That would be like, I had to sacrifice mm-hmm. my ego. <laughs> Not that it was ego, yeah, you just had exactly. the right to be heard and listened to, that we'd internalize yeah. it that way. So so, um, mm-hmm. so, so you must really feel the difference then of like um, the leadership that you're experiencing now, you said, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it, it's it's very, it's very, very different environment now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, part of that is I'm, I'm in a less technical role. So my interactions are not like just all room full of tech folks. Um, so I think that's a big change, but it's also, it's also, I think a, a, a leadership change and yeah. Yeah. It's okay. still something that still something that I encounter, but it's not as, I think in my new, my new position that's more strat, it's just not as frequent, but I agree. It's messed up that we have to do that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not right, but I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just very thankful that I had so many great mm, allies mm, to mm. help get through it right because yeah you know those no, those you. guys were were good partners yeah and and, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm intrigued as, as well I don't, uh, because when I've had conversations in kind of particularly product-led spaces um mm-hmm. pure di- pure play digital um particularly in the SaaS space um, mm. the mindset around customer and technology seems to be quite a challenge for mm-hmm. um, especially the technical uh, arm of the development side mm-hmm. of technology 
um, to really mm-hmm. get their head around uh, where, where customer can actually become quite an afterthought and experience can become quite an afterthought when everybody's in the throes of like just trying to act, deliver with agility and get the features shipped. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, a little bit more about when you said, you know, you've always come from this space of wanting to help people solve problems, being the advocate mm-hmm. of the customer. Like, how do you kind of help the people on more on the vendor and the tech side to um, appreciate this dynamic and get more value from what they do through the customer lens? It, well, it's it, it's definitely not the way most SaaS companies are designed, right? Because it, it, it's it's very very segmented out. Like this is the product, and this is the product that we're releasing, and it's in here here it is, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that yeah, you know, it's, work, and it's kind I, of even my, with research, it's like validate, isn't it? Validate what we already think rather than research about the customer. <laughs> Yeah, here's this thing we want to build. Do we think it's gonna? Do we think it's gonna work for uh, for the customer? And then you like, you find a couple of yeses, and oh, here we go. Um, which you know, in a lot of cases, that's that's great stuff, right? But it um, it starts with the answer instead of with the with the question. And I and it, my case study that's coming up. That's actually one of my one of my one of my first points in the case study is. You know, having that fresh eyes perspective, um, my number one favorite design thinking term, you know, fresh eyes is probably the, the most important and the most challenging thing to bring to, to a conversation when you're, when you're doing that kind of research or trying to figure out what's built or, you know, I, because I've been so solution oriented and dealing with all the, all the technology, trying to separate that out and coming up with an answer in the first conversation it was it was a it was a painful transition, but I'm I'm so glad I did it because it, it I think it helps you open up more about what you're what you can actually find because you're you're not um, you're not focused on a certain point. Yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree, and it's it's a lot of kind of like solution bias, isn't there out there? With I'm mm-hmm. um, just trying to validate a product idea. So I, I see it a lot in startups as well, actually, where mm-hmm. the founder is so wedded to their idea of what they think people or the world needs, mm-hmm. and you know yeah. they bl- bluster on for years, not finding product market fit because they never actually listened in the first place. Yeah. Um, and just so listeners, if you heard Jenny mention that she's going to be presenting a case today. She's actually presenting our first member-led case study in the community on applied customer understanding in the B2B context. So Jenny, why don't you tell the listeners at home a little bit more about this and what you're going to be talking about in your case study? Yeah, I, so I'm so excited about this. I was working with a customer last year who um, had observed some changes in in what they were seeing from sales results. So uh, some shifts in the market that... Yeah, I, another my other favorite design thinking term, disagio. It's like it, things that are like, like, like they're just like there's something off here, right? There's there's like say it again. What's like, the term? Some, uh, uh, disagio. It's, disagio. It's an Italian word. I I had this amazing design thinking professor from Cornell who um, it, that was the term that she used in class. But it, in essence, it's um, it, it's like a something that makes you think like, oh, like something is not right. Like there, like I have a question, I can't quite put my finger on it, but something is off. Like yeah, there, the there's, so, there's, you like sense something is off in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so they brought me in to help kind of understand, well, 
what changes have happened and where, where should we start to focus? Like what's, what's working, what's not, is our way that we're targeting folks today from a go-to-market go perspective, that it, is that where we should be going forward or do we need to make some modifications? Mm. And so it was this massive research project going through details on their existing customer base, on their potential market, looking at the total addressable market and getting an understanding of uh, where, where should they focus to have the most potential benefit for the company. Mm. 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 fascinating so. like design thinking and customer understanding let's talk a little bit mm. more about that and the relationship yeah. there so so i um, so i'm a, well i'm a customer experience designer but very much coming from a mm-hmm. service design background haven't personally mm-hmm. studied design thinking um to the mm-hmm. extent of having worked with a cornell professor <laughs> to do it but um in in terms of like you know that the where these ideas originate um, in design mm-hmm. thinking in comparison to product-led mm-hmm. design <laughs> mm-hmm. is like basically night and day right um yeah. so that disagio oh totally the word. Um, <laughs> you know having a having a hunch having a feeling like like you know, kind of there's curiosity there that we want to explore this further mm-hmm. um but the next step being to go and do discovery and to listen and to learn and to understand and unpick in order to you know the next part of your double diamond refine like what is the actual problem we're trying to solve is exactly. the missing step right because a lot of um or companies um or pro- not companies when they're trying to develop a product it's about we have this product now how do we get it to market and how do we yeah make how do we how- market <laughs> this thing that we how already built <laughs> yeah <laughs> we already yeah. know because um the fascination around like the ability for this thing to make a difference to cost saving or to remove humans therefore make it cheaper to do something like the commercial benefits that have been established for a feature or a piece of technology but what we end up seeing then is uh, are all of these like, ideas and even entire digital pro- um, platforms, let's say like an example of companies like rushing their way through digital transformation where they purchase a load of off-the-shelf mm-hmm. solutions targeted at removing human contact that then mm-hmm. nobody uses because <laughs> actually or they don't work together. Or, or they're, they're like, so they're so separated out that they're not actually integrated and then it makes it worse than it was before. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so what's the answer <laughs> in this space then? Like, how can we get better at applying design thinking to technology and products led decisions? I, I, mean, I, I feel like it's something you can use anywhere, right? So the first off, the coolest thing about the, the courses that I took is that the professor is like a civil engineer, right? It, it, she's, not a, she's not a product, a SaaS product person, right? So it, it really is taking the, the technique and the methodology to then apply it to whatever, whatever your question is, right? Whatever the thing is that you want to investigate, which I think is what is so cool about it is that you can, like, it doesn't really matter what the question is or where you're trying to go. You can still take the same methodology through. And um, even if it's only, you know, I don't often get to do the full, like, end to end like build a prototype and all like all the, you know, all of those fun fun things, things. (laughs) but yeah, but um, the, 
the investigative methodology I do get to use really frequently. Um, so I think it's kind of trying to find where you can put those those pieces of it into whatever context you have with the customer that you're working with. Um, you know, my I, my job is basically I run like an in-house agency at at a at a SaaS company. So um, you know, we've got very different types of projects that we work on, right? Some are, you've got small, medium, large, right? Sometimes we have really long-term retainers or engagements with a customer. And in those cases, I get to really dive more deeply into getting an understanding from them and, and really like <laughs> squeeze more, squeeze more juice out of it before we get to any answers. But when we're doing the small, more tactical based sessions, there's just, there's not a lot of space for it, unfortunately. Um, is just from an operations perspective. But I think mm. it's applying small pieces of the process wherever you can would be the first place I'd start. Because if you tried to do like an org re <laughs> redesign on that, it, it's, Boy, it's yeah, very it's hard never gonna work. to, yeah. yeah, it's, I think what I found is it's really hard to, um, to convince people to, to not bring the assumption in. Yeah. And that by by releasing the assumptions, by releasing the work that had been done prior, um, some some folks take offense to that it, it, because they they had worked hard on whatever got created before. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you know having like removing those assumptions is saying like oh no that was bad work. Nobody's saying it's bad work. We're just saying we're looking at it from a new context. Mm -hmm. um, but that mindset I found is very like so, some people are all in on it, and then some people get very very prickly about it mm, mm, yeah. yeah no I totally, totally get what you mean awesome well it's been super fun chatting with you today um yeah. I, I I really I, you know respect and admire the fact that you know you kind of came up against those barriers and challenges but you didn't let it change you I'm, I'm still super fascinated to understand that dynamic about essentially two similar situations but how much you must have grown during that time to be able to handle it uh, with such uh, grace <laughs> when um, being faced with, with that with that challenge um, and yeah just like hearing that um, there's women like you pioneering the strategy from the vendor side to support clients with more customer-centered thinking and really heartened that actually there's a demand a growing demand for that kind of service from vendors um yeah. so that signals to me there's a shift in the, mm -hmm. the, the the wider world where vendors are taking more responsibility of trying to help their clients do the right thing and develop the right product services solutions slash integrations slash <laughs> ways of making um, these things work better for the end users um than, than previously the approach being more about how do we sell this thing and get it in <laughs> Uh, yeah, which has been exactly. the, the the nemesis for many a customer experience in the past so um so just to finish off then just to round off our, our little half hour together yeah. um what would you give as your piece of advice to your fellow women in cx listening along at home meet and listen to everyone you possibly can to understand what they do within their role, what their what their frustrations are, what their goals are, you know, what, any type of any type of listening exercise that you can do to understand what people in very different roles than you are doing, 
it'll give you more perspective to bring to, to any conversation, right? Because when we're, when we're talking about customer experience, we have to think about all the, all the different types of customers, right? And you, you're only one person. So you have to, you have to start opening yourself up and getting a, getting a stronger understanding of, of things that are different. And, and I found just, especially being on, on the vendor side all these years that the more folks that I can get to know and talk to, I I have some amazing friends who were worked in technical support or, Mm. you know, worked in, in engineering, um, Mm. you know, know, that's part of how I learned to code. It was, Mm. you know, talking with these folks, but the, um, Hang on a minute. You learned to code. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. My first, yeah. My first, yeah. My first, very first role in tech, I, it was back when like, there was no WYSIWYG for email. And we, I was like writing Perl code to personalize automotive emails to show like, oh, well this wheel type, if you pick this or this different vehicle type. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, you, so that's my. I already knew you were cool, but you're like, you're even cooler now. I know that story as well. But yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. And a hundred percent, you know, agree that, um, you know, it is customer experience, professionals and leaders, we spend a lot of time thinking about the customer and trying to understand them. But actually, when it comes mm-hmm. to delivering the work that we need to do mm-hmm. to drive change mm-hmm. through leadership, we have to treat our stakeholders like customers too and really listen to and understand them in order for us to be able 100%. to influence that agenda. So I think that's a wonderful little takeout. Yeah. Um, so that's it from us. Best of luck with the impending six-week challenge that's coming up. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, and yeah, can't wait to see you in the community and see your case study next week. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about joining the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to another amazing community member, this time from Saudi Arabia, about getting closer to customers on any budget. See you all soon.